Does your family set big goals or do you have big dreams, but you're having a hard time finding the way to accomplish them? <laughs> then you are in the right place today. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Each episode is full of real world information to help your homeschool family thrive. We're David and Leslie Nunnery, and we are thrilled to have you joining us today. Each Tuesday, David and I discuss something that will either help you thrive as an individual or family, or perhaps it's something that will keep you back from thriving if you're not careful. We pray God uses these conversations to help you really focus in on the things that will drive you forward along the path God has for you. Last week, we talked about our big why, or what is that overarching thing that really drives you as an individual or as in a family? This week, we're looking at some very practical ways to achieve those big goals that you've set. We pray this conversation will be incredibly helpful for your family as you seek to daily put into motion the calling God has given you. So, David, you've noted to me on several occasions that there are things that make those big why goals really effective, but there are also areas in which it becomes problematic. Why don't we start there as a follow-up to last week's conversation? Well, the big why, I mean, as we were talking about before, is something that is just huge. It is something that you want. It is something that gets you very excited. It's kind of driving all your mission. That's yes. your mission statement. Really. It is a big deal to you. And I, I think sometimes it gets confused with like New Year's resolutions. And New Year's resolutions is, it has this image of something that you kind of mess up in like February. Mm -hmm. And a lot of reasons why resolutions don't normally work out is because they're just not big enough for people. They're, well, they're not a big enough deal for them, or they take too much in order to change what you've normally done. And so it's, it's a very hard thing to do. And so with the big why, um, it's big. It is something that is really huge. And that's the advantage to it. Well, and I think that with, you know, you kind of went to New Year's resolutions there. I think that one of the things that that happens with New Year's resolutions, too, is we aren't resolving things that actually fit within our big why naturally. So, for example, if I am resolving that I'm going to get in shape, am I doing that because I want to, you know, find my place on the runway? Ha ha. I'm, you know, five one and that's never going to happen. But no, no, that's never the reason that I would set that as a resolution. The reason that I would set that as a resolution is God has called me to be a wife and a mother and to minister to families. And therefore, my body needs to be fit for service. That fits that resolution up under my big why and makes it a lot more directed in why I would keep getting back on the horse every time I fall off. That's right. And so it's it, and in a lot of ways, a big why is not something that you you are willing to to fail at. Mm -hmm. You're not willing to accept failure in this particular area. Right. And so it needs to be a really big deal to you. It's something that really motivates you. Now, I mean, that's the advantage to a big why. Right. It, it is very motivational. It is something that's huge to you. But what what do people gag on with the big why? Well, what are some of the things that are really problematic with Well, it? with the big why is that it, it, it's so big that a lot of times it's very long term. It may take you 10 years to actually fulfill your big why that you have. I mean, if you're talking about children. Well, that's, I was about to say that's you know, a lot longer than 10 years. You know, you're talking about 18, 20 years. Honestly, you're never, you're never done. done. You're never done with your children. 
And um, you, any kind of, I mean, if you're an Olympic athlete, you know, a lot of the Olympic athletes, they make plans to be able to make the Olympics and to get a gold medal when they're, what, 12, 13? And they won't actually get into the Olympics in some cases for two, three, four, five years, some cases even longer than that. And so you need, if you're going to have a big why that's very motivating, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's going to be something that is, you can't touch and feel it. Right. You know, you can't grasp it like physically, or it's such a long-term thing. It's really hard to stay focused on it day in and day out, month after month, year after year, because it's such a big thing. And so you need um, what they call concrete goals. So more like benchmarks, yeah. things that you're kind of reaching towards in smaller units. Yes. And so this would be something that you can touch and feel. Um, and it is either um, something that is along the lines of how do I know that I have succeeded at my big why, or how do I know that I'm on the right Moving track in the right direction yeah, and fulfilling what my big why is. And so, you know, last time that we were together, we talked about every family uh, that has children and follows Christ, mom and dad, your goal, your big why is that you bring your children to Christ. Teach them diligently to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and then everything flows out from that. That's right. And that has to be something that is of extreme motivation for you. If it's not, there's something wrong. Right. And it is something that, honestly, it, it keeps parents up at night. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because that means it's a really big deal to you. But on the other end, if it's keeping you up at night, it's something that you worry about which is a whole nother layer of you don't need to be have anxiety. You don't need to worry. You don't need to stay up at night. You need to rest in the Lord, but your big why needs to be a big deal to you. Right. Right. And for us, we had, um, uh, and again, when we were, our kids were coming up and, you know, our youngest is, is 15. And so we're still in this. Um, when our kids were, were younger, uh, we would have benchmarks that we could actually see in them. And it could be anything from, are they singing in church? How are they singing in church? Right. With what with what countenance are they engaging with the worship That's time? right. Is this a drudgery or is this something that is truly overflowing from what's inside that, of them? That's right. And this kind of a goal, concrete goal, it would be different for every single family and every single child, Right children engage in different ways and they don't, they don't all engage in exactly the same way, but we would watch our children, you know, at least I would, I would watch them and how they are singing because yeah, they could fake it. But I believed that what's in your heart comes out your mouth when you're singing, you know, and if you don't believe those words you're singing, it's going to impact the way you sing those words. And so it was very important to us for our children to sing. Learning scripture, what kind of enthusiasm do they have in learning scripture? What kind of friends do they have, right? There's all of Who these Who are kind they of, choosing to surround themselves that's with? That's right, because you, you surround yourself with people that love the same things that you love. 
Uh, Camden loved basketball when he was growing up. Most of his friends loved basketball as well. You have things in common with the people that you hang out with. And so if your children, um, you know, teenagers, they are hanging out with a lot of people that are very rebellious, that's a sign to you potentially that there may be a problem, right? Um, If they're hanging out with people that complain a lot, maybe they're good kids, but they complain a whole lot. And uh, imagine what they're doing when they're together. That may indicate to you that there's a problem there that you need to try to touch on. Uh, They are probably spending a lot of time complaining. So again, we got into this talking about concrete goals. And so um, when you have a big why, you are going to develop, or you should develop concrete goals that indicate to you that you're either on the right track or that you have achieved what your goal is. Right? Yeah. And then um, you have another layer, right? Which is the control. And the control is basically there are a lot of things that are out of your control. You know, we had snow this last week. We could control that. And, but that snow, when our kids were younger, it would potentially throw things off if we didn't handle it right. There are things that happen in your life that you cannot control. But what you're trying to do, and when you're talking about the control level of setting these goals, is you're trying to bring as much under your control as you possibly can. You control what you can control. Exactly. Or at least use the things that you do have some control over. For example, um, as your kids are growing up, you do have influence and some control over who they're hanging out with. That's right. You can not only use those as great discipleship opportunities to help them learn discernment in, in you know, choosing friends and that sort of thing, but you also have control over permission. Yes, you can hang out with them. No, you cannot. So you do have control, but also you're using that to teach them to, to make wise choices as they grow older as well. That's right. So that would be one example of, you know, with my, my concrete goal of, you know, kind of having them have good friends so that the friends are iron sharpening iron relationships. Well, what I can control is, you know, as they're growing up, who, who they're able to spend the most time with. And and who do they surround themselves with? So even with inviting people into your home and inviting, you know, other families over after church or whatever, if you're really trying to make some connections with your kids or you see something in a family that, that, you know, they are, they are, like-minded that, you know, you, you're able to set the stage to really influence and, and help those relationships to blossom. Absolutely. And so then you have this other layer, which is the everyday layer. Which is really where we wanted to park a lot today and talk really practically on that layer and how those common things feed into your big why, because those are the things that are very easily trackable and really much more easily manageable. Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're taking, when you're talking about everyday goals, you're taking the big why and you're breaking it down because I have this big why I'm going to do this every single day. And I think people really underestimate just how much of their life is dominated by habits and routine. I think a lot of people don't even really want to think about it because to them, that's almost like I'm a robot, right? Yeah. And nobody likes to think that they're a robot, but I think if you really look at this, what what you're going to realize is, is that your life is dominated by routine and habits. And so everything from you eat meals at the same time, roughly 
every single day. You wake up at roughly the same time every single day. You go to sleep roughly the same time every single day. Those are routines and that dominates and impacts the cycle of your day. Uh, you um, husbands come in, they enter back into the home at a certain time every single day. That ends up impacting what ends up happening right. in the home around you. And you can impact these habits. Well, even God kind of set the, not kind of, God really set the example for that. He gave us a rhythm to our lives way back at creation, evening and morning. And there are, you know, there is a time for rest and there is a time for work. And, and he has, he has set this, this um, cycle of life in motion. And so all of our habits, like you were noting, really fall naturally into that. And you're right. When you first started bringing this up, I had never actually looked at, how habitual my life really was with those rhythms that are just naturally baked in. So once we recognize these big picture habits that we have, then it's a lot easier, I think, to see the the ones that we're adding on as well. Yeah, I mean, I, so what? I think it was two episodes ago, we talked about thriving through subtraction. Right. And what you're doing there is that you're looking at things through the filter of what your big why is. And then we also talked about don't bind yourself to anything that doesn't give you freedom somewhere else. Well, we're kind of talking about these habits because you're binding yourself to certain yeah. things that you're doing on a daily basis. And you need to think about, does this give me freedom somewhere else? And really the only freedom that we have is living for Jesus Christ. You know, what is your calling? And you're also looking at how you order your day where we are um, creatures of habit. We're creatures. We need to have order. And so you're laying down these rails of where you want to go. So we also talked about, you know, discipline is actually moving forward in your calling. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing that we're kind of talking about here is that you, your calling, your big why is to bring your children to Jesus Christ. Well, what kind of discipline, what kind of habits, what kind of order, routines are you going to put into place because of that? Well, and what kind of habits have you allowed into your life that would detract from that? And I think that that it, it's there's a lot of benefit in actually looking at, I, I would say that a lot of people who are listening in today, and I base that on the fact that I have this thought myself, um, go immediately to the habits that they never actually looked at as habits, but now they're like, ooh, well, I do this. This eats up so much of my time. It's taking away from X, which I really need to be doing. And you start kind of having this flood of thoughts of the things that you're doing when you really want to be doing other things. And it becomes a frustration. Uh, the easiest, you know, low-laying fruit example of that is I spend time, you know, perusing social media. That's taking me away from spending the time you know, doing my devotions or getting in God's word, which will then equip me to shepherd the hearts of my children better, which is ultimately bringing them to Jesus are going to give me a lot more, um, I, a lot more context for bringing them to Jesus. So just kind of hook into that. Uh, when do you check your email? Do you check your email first thing in the morning? Well, once you check your email, that ends up setting you off that you're going down a road and you're going down all these rabbit trails and ends up distracting you from actually picking up your Bible and praying, you know, or social media, the same sort of thing. So therefore the habit that would be tied back into your big why would be, okay, 
I'm going to develop the habit of reading the Bible the first thing every single morning and praying. And I am not going to look at email. I am not going to look at social media. I will do that later. But my habit now is going to be the first thing I'm going to do is walk downstairs, get some coffee. Amen. Has to be first. (laughs) Go to my spot, Mm -hmm. pick up the Bible, and I'm going to read whatever chapter I'm reading or whatever chapter I'm in or whatever I'm going through in the Bible. And then I'm going to pray about it. Well, and even, you know, kind of one step further with what you were saying there, I have learned that, and this is for me personally, um, I can't even actually pick up my phone before I have my devotions because it's not email that throws me off, but I pick up my phone and there are literally, you know, 20 notifications from the Teach Them Diligently app conversation or, you know, Instagram notifications or whatever. And I can immediately be thrown off. And before I know it, I've spent 30 minutes just clearing those things out and kind of giggling or or answering things. And I have given control of the first part of my day to people outside of my home and outside of what my big mission is. And then I never catch up again. So I find that I'm frustrated at myself going into my devotions. So my devotions aren't nearly as good. I'm generally more frustrated with the kids because they're coming at a normal time to need my attention, but I'm not done with what I should have been doing earlier. And it just like this train wreck gets, gets launched. So I have learned that I cannot even pick up my phone until after my devotions are over because I am too weak constitutionally <laughs> to to not fall into those rabbit holes. So I think that that I mean the lesson here is that we're all too weak, right? We are creatures of habit yep. and routine. And if we don't watch this and try to put as much under our control as we possibly can. What we end up doing it, what ends up happening is, is that life just kind of floods in and it starts determining what those habits, what those everyday goals are going to be. Yep. And so we have to actually physically go, okay, my big why is this. I have these benchmarks. Therefore, I'm going to do these things that I know I can control, or I'm going to bring all these things under my control. And therefore, I'm going to have these habits. And so in our, um, go ahead. Well, no, I was I'm probably going in the same direction you were there, but I was going to ask you, I know that you have, you know, we have talked quite a bit and I know you have actually written about the fact that um, forming habits is actually, there's actually scientific ways to approach it. Um, there's, there's, there's noted research that talks about how habits are formed, how long it takes and that kind of thing. Because I know for a lot of us, it's real easy to say, I want to form a new habit, but we really truly don't know how to go about doing it. So, you know, the research, and I mean, there is a lot of research around this. And what the research is actually saying that is 45 to 60% of our day is determined by routine and habits. That's amazing to me. And so I, I didn't realize when I read that and I actually had to um, uh, back up and actually evaluate because I didn't believe it at all. And then I started thinking about all of the things that happen in my day, how it's part of a routine. And, um, you know, in the Bible, you know, you actually have this in the Bible. The number of transformation in the Bible is 40. 
And how do you mean that? How do you how, explain that a little bit more? You you can't just throw out that the number for transformation in the Bible is forty. Well, bring us into your thought process so, there. So, um, numbers are important in the Bible, right? Some people make way too much yeah. of the Bible. They start developing like little codes, and they try to put formulas together to determine what the future is going to be, and it, they make too much out of them. But no doubt. Numbers are important in the Bible. And so, for instance, like the number seven is the number of completeness. Um, well, in the Bible, the number 40 is about transformation. And the idea around this is that it takes 40 days to develop a new habit. And so you had Jesus Christ 40 days in the wilderness. You had uh, a Moses on the mountain. Mount Sinai for 40 days. The number 40 comes up over and over and over and over and over again. And when you have the number 40 in the Bible, it indicates a transformation that is about ready to happen to the character of the person that is kind of, you know, doing whatever for 40 days. So like Jesus Christ, the beginning of his ministry here on earth happened when he came back down the mountain. He was in the wilderness for 40 40 days, days. he was tempted. And then he came down and he had the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of the beginning of his actual ministry. And that's, you know, he actually, he, he starts calling his disciples and the number 40 is the number of transformation in the Bible. Right. And so the idea is, is that if you do anything for 40 days, it will create a new habit. And the reason why the number 40 is a number of transformation is because if you develop new habits, it will be transformational for you. It, yeah, absolutely. It's, and that just to, to park here for just a second, that really was the, the thought process behind the transform journals that we are, we are trying to produce. You've already got one Thanksgiving journal out. There's a couple of prayer journals coming and other Thanksgiving journals, some other things that are in the works because these foundational habits that that will go into every one of our big whys, they, they will change the trajectory of how our family functions. We, we want to walk with you for 40 days to try to get that cemented in your heart and mind. Yeah, so the first Thanksgiving journal, and my view is, is that Thanksgiving is foundational so many different ways. Right. Thanksgiving will change your life. Um, it, it, so one of my habits is that in the morning, I actually write one thing that I'm thankful for every single day. and Always I, me, right? It, every it, day. It, it, I'm it, thankful it, for less. Yeah, you're in there a lot. <laughs> um, but you actually go into detail when you're talking about Thanksgiving. It's not just, hey, I'm thankful for Leslie. I am so thankful for this about Leslie. And so you end up, uh, you're very detailed on this. Um, and so that's one of my habits. And the reason why I have that habit is that it changed my entire outlook for every single day, right? Um, you have Philippians 4, 7 through 9, where the secret to peace, the past is understanding, right? And staying away from anxiety is prayer and thanksgiving. Yep. And so we started off the Transform Journals looking at prayer and Thanksgiving. So the first one is actually already out. Many of you guys already have it. The reason why it was set on 40 days 
is because I wanted you to have the habit of Thanksgiving because that's where Thanksgiving is. It needs to be a reflex. It was a reflex for David. It was a reflex for Daniel. It was a reflex for Paul. Uh, it is. It was for so many of the uh, important people in the Bible. It is a reflex, and it's not natural. It's a habit that you have to build up. And one kind of, you know, one thing that people may want to start is Thanksgiving when they're teaching, because if you look at Paul's epistles, he starts off his epistles with a statement of Thanksgiving. He is thankful for people for the people that are reading this epistle for whatever reason he says some reason why he's thankful for them or he is thankful that god is doing something and then he launches into instruction and so what i am saying is is that if you insert thanksgiving into your school day when you're teaching your kids it will actually soften their hearts yeah. and their minds and makes them more open to what you're teaching and so a good habit for you might be opening up your school day, telling each of your kids why you are thankful for them, or you say something you're thankful for and what God has done, and then to go around the room and have each one of them say something that they are thankful for, and then you start your day. So, and it will change the platform of your day completely. Yeah. Turn their hearts toward God and what he is doing. And this is just one more thing of fulfilling your big why. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Now let's, let's be honest though, with a lot of habits that we really want to incorporate in our lives, they do not feel natural when we first begin. No. Because a lot of times what is the easiest path isn't always the best path. The looking at my phone and, you know, falling into rabbit's holes is super easy and I'm tired and my willpower is weak and all of that. That's easy. That's the easy path. But not, not picking that up, it doesn't feel natural at first. So, so, you know, as we are setting our sights to build habits that actually feed into our big why, that actually move us forward to our concrete goals and so on, what would you say to those people that are like, I just, I get two days into this and it feels so weird. I fall off the rails every single time. Well, I think that your big why has to be in view. Why in the world am I doing this? And is this really a big deal to me? That would be the first thing that I would ask. Because if your big why is not something that gets you excited, yeah, right? If you don't think about your children serving the Lord one day, and I don't mean necessarily in ministry, just that they love the Lord and they have the desire to raise their children to do, likewise. Know, to do likewise, if that doesn't get you excited, I would really ask the question, why? Why does that not get you excited? That should be something that gets you excited. If you are a Christ follower and you have children, your desire should be, I want my children to love the Lord as well. I want them to be in heaven with, with me. I want them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to use the Bible as their guide. And if that doesn't get you excited, then I would start asking a lot of other questions of you. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that a lot of times people fail at things because they don't provide enough structure. And that's where I'm kind of going through on this. You got these layered goals. You got the big why, you have the concrete or the benchmarks, you have the control and you have the everyday. And you have to, goals are like something that, you, it's like building a house. You have to build it out. 
And if you don't have the right structure below this big Y goal, whatever it might be, okay? And I've already kind of said, if you're a parent, your big Y needs to be bring your children to Christ, right? But the truth is, is that you can use this structure in a lot of other areas right? as well, okay? And you you have to have some love. You have to have all these things that are kind of building up to what this why is. Why am I doing this, right? I want to get in a better shape. Well, the secret to fulfilling that goal of getting in a better shape is, does the big why really get you excited? And then once you get from there, what is the structure that I've put into place? What kind of benchmarks do I have? What kind of concrete goals do I have? What kind of control goals do I have? And what kind of everyday goals do I have? And the better you do with your everyday goals, the better you're going to do with your control. The better you do with your control, the better you're going to do with your benchmarks, your concrete. And the better you do with the benchmark concrete, the better you're going to do with the big Y. And so they all build on each other. Okay. And so that's the thing that, that I think that's what I would say to people that if they go, man, I've gotten two days into this and I'm really struggling. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't mean that you failed in your big why just because you're struggling with this. Maybe you need to actually look at the other layers on this because. um, And put more control in to help you build those habits. Um, But also recognize that building those habits, it takes 40 days because you're going to fall down several times. You're not going to start off and be 40 days of perfect. The 40 days is built in to help you learn to stand. So when researchers have looked at this, they say that it takes 20 days to get rid of a bad habit. Hmm. And then it takes 20 days to put the good habit on top of it. Interesting. And so, and again, you know, the Bible talks about the number 40 being transformational. When you look at all the illustrations in the Bible, uh, of transformation happening, it usually involves the number 40. And then the researchers come back and they start studying habits and how they work. And what they have found is it's 20 days to get rid of a bad habit, 20 days to put a good habit in. And, you know, and it works. Yep. And so habits are something that, you know, your everyday goal, maybe you don't do as good of a job every single day. But you got to keep your eye on the prize. And you also got to remember that um, we're fallen creatures, right? Our tendency is towards things that are, you know, self-destructing. You know, what uh, Thanksgiving is not natural. Envy is is what's natural. And so that if you don't consciously try to insert Thanksgiving in your life, you're going to sway right into envy. And what comes with that is complaining and entitlement. I mean, and. How often do you see that in your own children? Yeah. You know, you, their tendency is to complain. Their tendency is not to be thankful. And so you have to actually work on the Thanksgiving side. We're the same way. And it's like that with any anything. Exactly. We're not going to have a tendency to just all of a sudden pick up our Bible every single day and start reading it. It's something that's a habit that you have to build up. You're not going to all of a sudden have this habit of praying every single day. It's something that you have to build up over yeah. time. And it's the same way with so many other things in our life. Our tendency is towards things that end up messing up, destroy, and we have to actually physically and consciously 
push ourselves yeah. to do things that are good for us and move us towards the big why. Yeah. But the really cool thing in that is once you build those habits that you actually want to instill in your life, Thanksgiving, prayer, Bible reading, the things that you noted there that are moving you towards or equipping you better to accomplish your big goal, those things really do become part of your DNA. Those things become part of who you are. So you have replaced the bad, put off the old man, renew your mind, build those new habits. And all of a sudden you're putting on these new things. And, and so we are, we are over time today a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that everyone knows uh, where to find the, the Transform Journal for Thanksgiving, first of all, because that will not only help you build, put off that groaning and complaining and, and dissatisfaction and all of the things that you may be struggling with, but it also is a great way to get in God's word every day because this is all biblically based. It's a great way to learn to journal your thoughts and to really be very proactive about what you're learning and how it's going to look put into practice. And then like David already alluded to, it's a great way to to replace the old and put on after renewing your mind of what God's word says about Thanksgiving, putting that on as as a grateful heart that will build a grateful home and will make you so much more effective in accomplishing your big why. So we encourage you pick those pick one of those up for yourself. I, even better, pick up one for each of you as a couple, or better yet, pick up one for your whole family and go through it together. But you can go to transformjournals.com and we'll link in the show notes to that. But but you can get various levels of of getting books and stuff there. But we really want this to be a tool that will equip you in this habit. Um, and then stay tuned. We've got a praying for your children one, a praying for your marriage one, a Thanksgiving through Paul's epistles. All of these things are coming to, to hopefully be resources for you in those foundational areas that will truly move you forward towards your big why, your big goal uh, in a lot of other areas. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope this has been helpful. Um, and so we're just, we're really grateful you were here. Thank you. Love talking about this, and um, I really believe that habits are kind of the key, and it builds reflexes, Yeah, right? Absolutely. So I think that this will actually transform your days, and, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about Thanksgiving, but it's not just about building a habit of Thanksgiving. This is a habit in any Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you all for hanging out with us today, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently, so we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events, and then throughout the year when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community. Check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.